This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. The Metaphysical Connection is brought to you by our sponsors, the Trinity Whip Company, handcrafted whips by Blake Brunning. Incredible form as well as function. TrinityWhipCo.com We are also brought to you by Chester Cordite, modern vintage menswear inspired by the golden age of the 1930s and 40s. ChesterCordite.com Landron Artifacts is a place to go for your amazing wall reliefs that were inspired by set designs for motion pictures such as Raiders of the Lost Ark, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Aliens, and of course, the originals created by the Aztecs, Mayans, and Olmecs. Add ancient mystery and intrigue with his products by going to LandronArtifacts.com. Don't forget the friends of our show, Recreating History and Penman Hats. You can find out more about our sponsors and the Metaphysical Connection by going to our homepage, metaphysicalpodcast.com, or join our group, facebook.com slash groups slash The Metaphysical Connection. This is The Metaphysical Connection, episode 63, and I'm your host, Eric Render King Fisk. This week on The Metaphysical Podcast, I talk with John Pica from the Diesel Punk Podcast and independent author, William Jackson. They join the show while Walt and Jim are on vacation. John, William, and I talk about the news of the week in the realm of the paranormal, then discuss our own experiences and what's really going on with some of these government conspiracies. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, who, who wants to go first as far as like introducing themselves to the Metaphysical Connection audience in case um, folks don't know who you are yet? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I'm uh, William Jackson, Bill Jackson, whichever. Uh, I'm uh, steampunk, diesel punk, atom punk, indie author of uh, The Rail Legacy, uh, situated down here in small town Salem, New Jersey. Uh, I'm a big fan of these two right here, Metaphysical Connection, Door Chronicles, Diesel Punk Podcast, and uh, yeah, I guess that's good. Nice and simple. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, as Eric said, my name is John Pica. I'm the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool. Some of you guys may know me better that way. Uh, the host and producer of the Diesel Punk Podcast. And uh, as Big Daddy Cool, I perform with the Bombshell Kittens, and we uh, have several shows that uh, blend music, magic, comedy, audience participation, dance, variety arts, burlesque, in a uh, diesel punk aesthetic. And uh, we're also the subjects of the original. Because um, the thing is, is Walt Schnabel and Jim Loretta uh, are, are both on special assignment, which we like to call vacation. And I had one of the things that we do is, is that um, Jim Loretta brings up a couple of news items that he finds all over the Internet. And he has Walt and I talk about them and discuss them as far as their validity. And, and, and what do we think about what do we think about these news items that are that are a hot topic? And so, so, so the thing is, is that since Jim is is still trying to uh, rebuild um, uh, Ground Zero at our New Jersey office, 
in New Jersey. Uh, I, I got to go with the with the, uh, the paranormal news of the week. I'm playing the Robin Gibbons role, and you guys are playing the Howard Stern version. And uh, so the thing is, I did I did my my due diligence for the podcast, and I uh, so of, of course I type up in uh, Google News. I typed up uh, UFOs. And here we go with the paranormal news of the week here. Um, the Washington Post wrote a very interesting review of the book that was released about J. Allen Hayek. And the name of the, the, the book is The Close Encounters Man, The One Man Who Made the World Believe in UFOs. And for the Washington Post, this is a very... Um, very interesting news item, I thought. And the thing is, is that they said, yeah, there's something to some of these UFOs. Just, I mean, we really don't know what they are, but um, they may or may not be alien, but they are definitely unidentified flying objects. So, obviously, I want to turn it over to you guys. And do you know of the name J. Allen Hayek? And... Um, what do you what do you think of of the field of ufology for the past 70 years go ahead um william since you're our guest you go first uh the name's vaguely familiar uh right now my brain is stuck on philip corso um i'm listening to that audio book from time to time that he had uh but for the ufos I, I, yeah there's there's something <clears throat> definitely going on there with the government i i don't know what i, I kind of tend to lean towards they've got something much more advanced than they admit to uh um, but it's the secrecy itself that makes me wonder uh what it's all about i mean if they had nothing there wouldn't be so much rigmarole the uh, project Blue book and all that type of stuff so, uh, it, it, it's all dicey to it, say the least also as chronicled by um tom carey a former guest of ours on the metaphysical connection with the books that he had written children of roswell and witness to roswell there's there's something there was something going on the government made a big huge deal about hiding something they were they were hiding something and they were willing to use death threats to keep everything a secret so in, in that regard, where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, whether or not they're aliens or trans-dimensional beings, I have no idea. But I think, obviously, there's the conspiracy. Not a conspiracy theory, but an actual conspiracy. John, what do you think? Oh, no, they silenced John. Yeah, no, John, I don't know. I, I, th I think you've been cut off. They got to. Oh no! <laughs> this reminds me of that episode of of Art Bell when, when that guy called in <laughs> saying that he was from Area Fifty One and he was like saying, "They know everything. They're planning everything. They're playing a, a mass extinction." Got too close. He must have told somebody before he called in. Oh no! He was probably going to call in. He's he was probably like saying, you know, to one of his buddies, "Hey, I'm going to be on the metaphysical connection." He's probably going to try and call back in in a second. Yeah, you were your uh, your audio was in the mud. We, uh, the, you're you're moving something around. It sounds like you're muffled. Really? Now you're fine. Right. What about now? You're fine. What about now? You're okay. What about now? 
Much better. Because the thing is, is that Bill and I were just thinking about maybe they got to you. Maybe they found out that you were doing an episode of The Metaphysical Connection and they kicked down your door and they were muzzling you. Well, <clears throat> that, that is a, a potential. Um, I actually appeared on Art Bell show. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, about mm. 20 years ago. Um, because if you're looking at the cover of the book that uh, the New York Times reviewed that disc shaped object looks exactly like what I saw one night in December less than a hundred yards from me on the backside of an Air Force base in Middle Tennessee because that's amazing because that that for, well first of all you're 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 teasing or you're spoiling the second part of the show because after we got done with the news we're going to ask you about this but uh, you know ask you about your experience and talk about it all but you know geez um yeah so but i i opened up that that article just while we we're talking and i'm like holy crap Th this is what i saw but here, here's the funny thing. You asked, is there a conspiracy? Definitely there is a conspiracy. What is it a conspiracy about? Oh, exactly. I think there are three I think there are three possibilities. I think the first possibility is that it is exactly what they say it's not. And that is alien intelligent life. That crashed and was recovered in Roswell. Two, I think a lot of what we see in the sky and what is being covered up is experimental military aircraft, uh, probably developed from the tech recovered at Roswell or in cooperation with the, uh, the, the uh, pilots of that craft at Roswell. And the uh, third part is uh, the probably the most uh, the most uh, I guess untalked about part, and that is I would say time travel. Yeah, hmm. I, I have this personal theory that a lot of what we see in the paranormal crypto zoological world is actually a result of time travel or the timeline folding in on itself. And when that happens at certain points, the past or the future bleed through. Um, you know, Einstein theorized that time is an endless loop. Well, my, my expansion on that idea is what if that endless loop is also elastic and malleable and it it folds in on itself and at it, those places where it folds in on itself and they touch things cross over or we see images of the future of the past. And um, I think that's a, a an explanation for a lot of what we see. Uh, Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, it's a dinosaur. We're, we're seeing you know, images from the past, or maybe that timeline really did uh, permanently cross over. 
Maybe there's a portal in, in the lake. Who knows? But uh, I think the same thing is happening with UFOs. We're seeing images and glimpses of the future, um, as well as experimental military aircraft and the real deal alien technology. Of course, Willie. I'm How do you like them apples? I want to let William go first, and then, and then, uh, then of course, I want to hop on this. William, what do you think? <clears throat> I, 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 he's got some really good points. I, I don't usually go too far into the time travel, but that's a good one. Uh, for me, I I can't help but wonder as long as as much as maybe it doesn't seem credible to people because maybe they've been guess you could maybe say too much into the alien theory but i don't i don't discredit it i don't discount anybody who believes it but there's a part of me that always wonders what if this is some group of people or a race of people or a a society of people that just no one's ever heard of because they never felt like bothering with the rest of us maybe because we're not advanced enough we don't have enough sense which couldn't really argue uh and they just kept to themselves somewhere in a mountain or, you know, somewhere bottom of the ocean. You get a lot of things about uh, UFOs coming out of the sea. And maybe somehow they've just been surviving or enduring. And every now and then they come up to the surface, see if things changed or what have you. And uh, for whatever reason, they don't want to really bother with us. Maybe they're not necessarily from, you know, planet nine or planet X or a dimension. They're just, you know, on the bottom of the Pacific or the deepest cave on earth or whatever it could be. So you buy into Walter Bosley's theory of there being advanced breakaway societies that are hiding somewhere here on earth, such as like, um, uh, pockets of civilization actually underneath the surface of, of the earth as we know it. And there are portals like through the Bermuda triangle or, or, or strange gateways through the, through, uh, Antarctica or stuff. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I don't, I don't put like 100% or maybe even like 70% into it. It's just, to me, it just seems as if it would, it makes sense. There, there, We have so many civilizations that have come and gone. Once in a while, we like to have, pretend that we know all about it, but we really, I don't even want to say we scratched the surface. We, I don't, we haven't even done that. And we don't know where these people went. We don't know if they really did disappear we're slowly catching on to the fact that they had advanced technology. Uh, it's still not publicly acknowledged, but it, it's getting there. People are realizing the Egyptians were more advanced, uh, uh, the Mayans, the Inca, and so forth. So, And, of course, there's debate about where all of them got their knowledge and wisdom from. But if, if we just assume that they had it, that they were smarter, that they knew how to do more with less... Yeah, you know, and 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 a, and a couple pockets of them survived, and so because they survived, they never got stunted. No one stole their technology. They were just allowed to continue to study it and grow with it. Where would they be by now? I'm actually sort of convinced that there's a conglomeration of different things going on at the same time. I do think that there are transdimensional people. I believe that there are strangers from other planets from from other solar systems coming to visit us and i do think that there are actually i'm convinced that there are breakaway societies you know thanks to myths about atlanta 
Atlantis. Yeah, myths about Atlanta. Where am, where's my head tonight? Uh, Lemuria. Uh, all sorts of like ancient civilizations, and and then there's a lot of strange artifacts and things that we're finding underneath, you know, underneath the surface of the planet. Like uh, when you when you hear about coal miners um, coming across artifacts that should not be buried in the coal that's like a million or so or a hundred million years old. You know, like ancient bells and ancient tools like you know, sledgehammers and axes and stuff like that. And and a, a strange clock that was found um, in a shipwreck off the coast of, of Greece. And, and there's just there's no, just no explanation other, the, other than the fact that it's like... It's, a civilization existed here long before we came around, so I, I think that I think that there's a it's sort of like a mixture of things going on all at the same time, and I think that every all of these theories are are true to an extent, and some of them overlap on each other, which I I think is uh, is very very curious, and um, it seems like it seems like our government with the paradigm is is that we have to believe that we are the top of the pinnacle. We are the best that's ever happened here on Earth, and there are a lot of other legends out there from other parts of the country or parts of the world that say otherwise. So, um, next story here is that um, it, this is actually from a story from Canada. A mysterious UFO hovers above Sacred Mountain before vanishing into the forest in a video that has baffled conspiracy theorists. By the way, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I deal in conspiracy fact. Alien hunters capture the yellow, whitish ball of light in green night vision in, in footage in British Columbia, Canada. So this is another UFO sighting that they, that they have in Canada. And it's all over the news, especially um, uh, the sun over in over in Great Britain here. And uh, we've had we, we haven't heard any news about this at all. So the thing is, is that part one of my question is, what do you guys think of strange sightings in other parts of the world, including this? And, and how is it that we don't really hear a lot of stories like this? How come how come UFO sightings in other parts of the world don't make the mainstream media like they do in other countries? Well, I, I think it's a cultural thing to begin with. I, I think especially in you know South America, in Europe, Russia in particular. I, I think that extraterrestrial, interdimensional activity is actually accepted as fact. Um, and... Why why that is so different elsewhere? I, I'm not really sure, but um, I know that the uh, the Russian government considers alien UFO phenomenon to be absolutely 100% genuine. They've even published um, you know official government manuals for soldiers on how to uh, how to react in those situations, and and if you come into contact, here's what you do. Um, I don't know what the difference is, though. Here in the U.S., when you see something like that or, you know, something is reported, it just, it's regarded as fringe and kooky. And, and that's about it. What do you think, William? Well, to add on to Russia, uh, oh, I wish I could remember, was it Siliakovsky? 
There was an old Russian science fiction author from the late 19th, early 20th century. Uh, they belonged to a religious group that believed that the human race was meant for the stars. And uh, one of their students was Yuri Gagarin. So I think that explains why Russia, it's so easy for them to accept uh, unidentified flying objects, to accept aliens, because there are certain groups of them that have worked their way up that are of the belief that we were meant for the stars. We were meant to connect with these other beings, and it's a very cosmic sort of spiritual thing. Uh, and like Johnny said, you know, like South America, they just, they have so many sightings. It's just like, you know, they just take it. They even have a, what is it, the flying man? Is it like the, like a dark figure that just sort of floats around in the sky? Sort of like the Mothman, but not quite. Yeah, yeah. Well, here it's, here it, that just basically, what's wrong with America is that the more they try to cover it up, the more it just, hammers at home that something's wrong. Not with the average American, but with the government. Because why? Why doesn't it end up on the news? Why don't you get uh, today's sighting of a UFO in, say, New Jersey or wherever you know you are? You know, people are seeing them every day, but you rarely ever see it in the news. If you do, you get the newscaster kind of saying, and it was sort of like a laugh. It's just a joke. The person who saw it might be crazy, or they, you know, it's the old weather balloon excuse. Well, I will tell you this, and I, I can't speak so much about South America as much, but in Europe in particular, the way children are raised into adulthood is very different from how we are raised here in the U.S. Here in the U.S., our imagination, creativity, our sense of wonder is just pounded out of us by the educational system. You know, and, and in other countries, they, they encourage imagination, creativity, ingenuity in a different way than we do here. And um, I think that as we, as we, you know, transition out of childhood into adulthood, we've been conditioned by the system to believe that certain things just aren't possible. And we've, we've really given up our childlike sense of awe and wonder and respect for the enormity of reality. And um, I think that's why here in the U.S., you know, it's kind of regarded as, you know, fiction, uh, childish fiction, because you'll, you'll see the way that they kind of treat the stories. It's in a very childish manner, or the way that you would, you know, roll your eyes at a, at a child telling a story. Yeah, no, I think that that's a, that's a very excellent point, and I think that every one of us can actually um, relate to the notion of when you, when you say that you've seen something that defies... Um, I don't want to say common sense, but defies the, 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 the current paradigm. People do look at you like as if you're crazy. I remember about two years ago, my wife and I were driving home, and we, um, uh, 
the vehicle was pointed south, and of course, I've, we're we're up on a sort of a plateau region here in the in in the northeast, and we were pointing south, and we could actually see way off in the distance one of the one of the the rocket launches um, from whether it was South or North Carolina, and it lit up the sky for for a brief moment, and it was just like, oh my God, wow, I I can't believe it. So of course, we go over to like the one of the local shops and we had asked hey did anybody see these lights in the sky and and we, I, we described what it said and it was like you would have thought that i would have said hey i just grew a third eye right in the middle of my forehead you, you would have thought that these people thought i was crazy well as soon as i got home and i looked on the space news there was a, there was a, a, another satellite launch exactly at the same time that we saw these like like these weird lights in the sky and it was like, that's something that you can prove. You can look at it and you can say, yeah, that actually happened. And there were times when I'm here, uh, here on the, on the, on the hilltop here in Fedora Chronicle Center, you know, fate looking south. And occasionally you do see the rockets um, that launch. And it's, it, it's quite a sight to see. But a lot of people are like, why are you watching that? The game's on. So we, we do have... Um, there seems to be two types of Americans. There are the Americans who actually believe in the paranormal and they have their eyes wide open and they're willing to believe everything and anything. And then there are other people that, well, don't bother me with all that information because American Idol is on or the game is on or something like that. You know, I do think that there, there, are, yeah. there are two extremes. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're extreme in a lot of ways in this country. And you know what? On the as an aside, with well, with the same topic, if you don't mind. Oh, uh, no, I don't mind at this, all. I'm looking at this the video since we're talking about the light over the sacred mountain. I found the video. I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at this multi-camera rig that they've got set up to catch it. So I'm wondering how often does this happen at this mountain? If I had the money, and if I actually inherited the the um. Uh, the camper that was promised to my wife and I, we would be driving up there right now to see what the story was. If money was no object, it was independently wealthy. So this is Squamish, Squamish, British Columbia. That's I mean, they've already got it there. So I'm, I'm wondering, like, this must happen, you know, on a, a relatively regular basis that they can sit there and know what's happening and then catch it. And yet still, it's just, you know, well, you know, you, you, you want to hear something fascinating? Always. Um, so, I, I don't know if it's a coincidence or it's connected, but do you know that in areas that are Bigfoot sighting hotspots, they also happen to be UFO sighting hotspots? Oh, absolutely. And um, <clears throat> a lot of times, the sightings correspond to the same time and area um so those guys in british columbia and british columbia is a huge sasquatch hotspot they may have been there looking for something else oh absolutely oh yeah no i and, i have no doubt the lights i have no doubt at that at all because i mean wouldn't you know it because there are these three stories that sort of like overlap on top of each other. You have this sighting in British Columbia that somebody had actually caught on video. And um, there was another story about around the same region, somebody had actually caught, has video of something that looks like a, a large, um, 
a very large hominid. I don't know what to. I don't want to call it a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch or something, but it's it's obviously something that is that is, it's ape like. I have no other words for it. Did, did did that just did that just hit the wire this week? It did. That video you're talking about, yeah, I saw it, and um, you know, it's uh, there's something there. I mean, it's there's there's definitely something on two legs, but. Uh, it's too far away to tell what it might be, but, uh, you know, it's definitely a dark shape, dark, you know, form in the, uh, midday out in a field. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Is it authentic? I don't know. I happen to believe that, uh, Sasquatch do exist. Um, I've never had a personal experience myself, but, my older brother, who was a Navy SEAL, did, and, um, you know, he reported it in an official uh, Navy report, and um, there, there is, uh, you know, basically this code of conduct with the Navy SEALs, that you don't lie. Right. Because when you lie, someone dies. Yep. And so, you know... The Navy took it serious enough that it's, you know, there are hundreds of documented cases, especially in the Pacific Northwest, of, uh, you know, there's a there's a, uh, a Navy base in New Bremerton, Washington. That's where he was stationed, which is, you know, right near the base of Mount Rainier. Oh. And that's where they go do uh, exercises a lot. And that's where he ran face to face into a Sasquatch, you know. So, I have reason to believe that they are absolutely real. Well, um, Mount Rainier is one of the locations where that pilot um, Kenneth Arnold had spotted the first official, unofficial flying saucer sightings back in um, uh, forty-seven, nineteen forty-seven. So, I have no doubt that there is some sort of supernatural something or other going on in that region. I mean, when you think of the paranormal and Mount Rainier, that's the obvious thing that comes to mind is that a lot of people do see a lot of unusual things. And let's look at it from the military standpoint for a second. Whereas it's like you have somebody who is a trained Navy SEAL and the code of contact is you don't lie, you don't BS. And, and your brother said that he spotted something that looked like it looked like something like a big man in a in all covered with fur. How do we know that it's not some government agency with some sort of strange um, camouflage or something rooting around in, in in the forest, trying to not not get caught or whatever? How how do you know? How well, do you-, do you guys remember, Bill? You might be too young for this, but Eric, you definitely are going to remember. There was a, a two part storyline on the six million dollar man. <laughs> yes. Yes, I remember it. Yep. That Bigfoot was a robotic construct of an alien race. I do remember that. Classic. Co- coincidence? I you know, Walt and I have spoken to a lot of people who have confirmed to us that there is this, um, I can't, um, MK, 
I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Majestic 12 or MJ 12, they actually have a program of information slash disinformation, whereas they're trying to acclimate the American people with the idea of, of contact with the paranormal, the supernatural. And we have evidence of, of people in Hollywood getting ideas for upcoming movies. Um, um, Grant Cameron, who was on our last show, had told the story about how uh, there was this reported scene, uh, sighting out in California. Um, and it was almost exactly word for word, with the exception of the time of day and the place, that was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And somebody had said, we've got to get the story out to the public. Well, how can we acclimate the people to this story? And, this, and so it's like they gave the outline to this, this kid, Steven Spielberg, and said, hey, what can you do with this? And he wound up making one of the most classic movies of, of all time. I'm not saying that classic. I'm not saying that cl Close Encounters of the Third Kind happened exactly the way it was portrayed in the movie, but it was just enough. So you get used to the idea of the government is trying to communicate with aliens who come to visit us at certain locations slowly, at, a little bit at a time. So I do think that there is the government is actually trying to get us used to the idea that they are here. They are trying to make contact with us. And some of them are good. Some of them are bad. And the, it, you know, the, the $6 million man was like a perfect vessel. Cause I mean, you could have Steve Austin do anything within reason. And our eyes were glued to the TV on Sunday night. Like what was it? Seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. But I do think that they use science fiction as a means of acclimating those of us who have open minds. Not open minds so much that our brains are falling out, but just we're open to the idea. And I think that our generation, the generations younger, are used to the idea of there being something unusual and strange out there. Speaking of something unusual and strange, because we're, we're talking about the solar eclipse, and of course Johnny brought up something about the solar eclipse being the dawn of the first age of, of, of diesel punk, but I have this other story here. I don't know what to make of this. I'm looking at several different news organizations that are reporting the same story. The state of South Carolina is warning citizens of increased lizard man activity during the upcoming solar eclipse. Increased lizard man activity. So does that mean, uh, don't they usually associate that with Obama? Some of them. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Rampaging? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is that the state, the state government of South Carolina or people within the state government of South Carolina are warning the citizens of increased lizard man activity. I, I and the things I'm looking at this and it's like I'm looking at I, I'm looking at the at, at the news alert. And of course, it's like I'm looking to verify this. I'm trying to verify this information. Fortune. Fortune magazine reported this first. And then we have. Um, uh, the, one of the two major newspapers in Charleston, um, the Charleston Post um, Courier, is one of the, and they even have a sketch of what these lizard men should look like. Isn't that sexist, though? Lizard men. What about lizard women? Don't you think that lizard women would <laughs> would also be out and about? What do you guys think of the of a, of a state agency warning its citizens of 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 something like this? Oh. Uh. 
Well, I lived in South Carolina for three years. And once you get down from Virginia on down, yeah, there's a few patches where people take that type of stuff dead serious. So that's not a surprise. But I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's, it's no different than any other theory. Maybe there are lizard men in the hills. Maybe they are dressed like politicians. Although I think politicians, <laughs> they're just politicians. They, they, they seem grimy enough that they don't necessarily need to be reptilians. But, you know, it's, it's hey. I'm with I love you. I, I can't hate on it too much, but it's... <laughs> It, it's not out of, the, out of the league for them. That's. I'll have to hope it's not true. But that way we're not taken over by uh, the. <laughs> well, so, you know, I don't know how much you, how much you study about this, Eric. But, you know, there is a, a definite group of people out there that believe that there is a race of humans that are actually human reptile hybrids yep um the uh, the the anunnaki from uh planet Z- is it zibiro nibiru nibiru yeah um or planet x i guess One and they um, think exactly tepley and all that there yes What's yes that? Walt Walt is a huge proponent of the theories of the Anunnaki coming to um, Earth to uplift the hominids who lived here, and um, they sort of like created a slave race, which is the first Homo sapiens that were helping them mine for precious um, metals and stuff like that uh, here on Earth, and uh, they were um, creating a... What, did I already say slave race? Yeah, slave race. Yeah. And every time Walt mentions the word Anunnaki, I have to ring the bell, as it were. But, um, but Walt, Walt, well, Walt, believe, Walt, Walt is a very strong believer, and he's got me convinced that there was something that had occurred here on Earth um, uh, 12,000 years ago or, or sooner. Well, you know, I've not done a whole lot of research into the Anunnaki theory, and I'll tell you why. Um, Because I am a student of world religions, and in every world religion, the, the moral tales, the stories, and the myths tend to rhyme with each other. They, they tend to be the same across continents and across eras, um, with, with some notable exceptions. Um, but in general, the, the pagan religions all have the same kind of basic framework and themes, which usually is an indicator that they're based in some form of truth. The problem is, in none of the ancient religions are there any stories of reptilian hybrids or lizard people um, enslaving humans. Hmm, and and, <clears throat> and so you have to ask why. Because if it, if, it, if it were true, there would at least be some kind of mythological stories in the historical texts. And there's not. Well, there is quite a lot in the Sumerian texts 
of um, human-like people with clothing that resembles fish scales and human beings coming from the sky with fish-like features. Human beings with fish-like features. Uh, that well, okay, so um, generally those are, are considered, you know, representations of or avatars of of the different gods. Sumerians worship Baal, and sometimes those are considered, you know, representational avatars. But the the other potential explanation is, you know, I just for full disclosure, I am a I am a Christian, and I'm a you know very uh, devout student of the Bible, and there is <clears throat> mention of a race of beings in the Old Testament. Um, and they're only referred to as the Nephilim. Yes. And it's one of the biggest mysteries in in Scripture. All we know is that uh, the the giant Goliath was a member of the Nephilim, and we know that they were an angel-human hybrid, um, and that they have since you know been wiped out or, or died that's that's all we know and and they're mentioned once and never again um so is it possible that the sumerian stories are actually referencing the nephilim uh because there are and this is where it gets interesting right there are corresponding tales of superhumans, giant races in other religious texts. There sure are, yeah. And most people look at the Sumerian texts as that that rhyming, that mirroring of the the other things that are out there. We also have the other issue as far as every every culture has an equivalent of a dragon, a, like a giant serpent with similar features we do we do have a lot of that now is that to say that once upon a time not too long ago there were dragons here on on planet earth I, i'd have to say that it's a possibility and i believe so well I, I don't know that they were fire breathing dragons i think fire breathing was hyperbole to you know pad the hero's story sure but i i do believe that they were dinosaurs that survived into the common era and um and were hunted into extinction no i i don't doubt that at all i think that that is a very strong possibility but that but then that opens the door to these lizard people whereas could this sounds crazy this sounds um sophomoric almost but could there be a case that hidden um amongst the caves or even out in the open that there are like lizard people there are there are descendants of dinosaurs who he evolved into into human-like form and they live in certain parts of the country especially um in the south in south carolina is that a possibility well you know adaptation of a species is certainly possible but here, here's the problem with the reptile-human hybrid 
theory. And unfortunately, this, I think, shoots a big enough hole in it to completely dismiss it. Uh, reptilian DNA and human DNA is completely inc- incompatible. Oh, absolutely. Um, you, could have, you could have a human-pig hybrid. You could have a human-ape hybrid. Maybe that's what Sasquatch is. You, you could have a human-dog hybrid. And we know that the Russians and we know that the Nazis were experimenting to create human, other mammal hybrids. Um, and, and that is potentially possible. The DNA is compatible. Mammal to mammal. Reptile to reptile. Bird to bird. But they're not compatible across genuses. So I think that in and of itself discounts the reptile-human hybrid theory. I don't think that... That's just my opinion. Right, but I, I mean, I wouldn't think that they're human hybrids. I'm just thinking that these are ancient dinosaur species that had evolved into a human-like form, not... Not because the thing is, is that um, like a like a, a a dinosaur that would evolve into a biped with a, uh, with a large cranium, large eyes out out in front, um, arms similar, not exactly, but similar. There was an anthropologist in Canada about th- uh, 40, 40 years ago who actually had had developed a model of what a, one of the dinosaurs would have looked like if it had been allowed to evolve um, over the past couple of million years if it had survived the extinction. Uh, it's like um, if you do a search of Dino Man, there's an example of this, and it's it, it not related at all to to, uh, to to Homo sapiens at all. But it's, it's Well, I could, I, you know, I could buy that, and I could buy an alien race that is reptilian. I just don't buy the um, Anunnaki hybrid, you know, human-lizard hybrid theory. That's and kind of where I draw the line. Do we know when this started exactly? With the whole lizard man conspiracy and... I think... Like, I, is this just I a think recent th- thing? Is it, you know, 100 years old? Is it? I think that there have been a lot of stories... Uh, throughout human history of um, dino, uh, lizard-shaped um, or people-shaped lizards, not Homo sapiens, not anything that is related to our uh, genus, <clears throat> as John had stated. But there have been a lot of like lizard-like people masquerading as us, trying to infiltrate human society to sort of take over. That That's something that has really sort of like taken shape over the past 30 years because it's like if you have um wait like, wait wait a minute wait, wasn't that the plot of v yeah, it was yeah <laughs> hmm mm. come full circle again something someone watched something and it really hit home or or hollywood is trying to get a message out through the vehicle of science fiction yeah 
not so I'm, I'm trying to find online where this started and so far I'm, I'm getting like 12 million people believe in it but I, I haven't seen an article yet that says when did this begin that people started believing that these interstellar lizards dress like people and you know when did this conspiracy jump off I seem to think that there are a lot of people who get a hold of pixelated video and they see they, they see things that aren't there. I mean, there are artifacts. There are digital artifacts with very early digital cameras. And a lot of people seem to think that like, certain pixelations that happen, at a, it just at the, it's coincidence. Of so, and people are like, they insist that, oh, my God, he's a lizard person. Like, you see, um, a lot of people say that, like, the Queen of England is a lizard woman. Um, you see... Um, Bill Clinton and some of his entourage are lizard people because of the pixelation in the artifacts in early digital video. Uh, I'm not sure if it, it it's still a thing, as it were, but I'm sure that it's like if you looked up um, lizard men in politics, I'm sure that you would get a, a, a million hits. Yeah, I remember seeing the one about they swore Obama was. He was he's still supposedly running things behind the scenes? Is lizard man power, whatever you know, whatever you want to call it. It, it? It's amazing how people can really believe something like that. But if you were to say like, uh, I don't know, there are blue tigers in China, that's too far fetched. Or uh, a dinosaur maybe survived, and there's a small group of them in the jungle, that's too outrageous. But you can, you know, readily jump to. Lizard men from another dimension are just like people and, you know, manipulate our minds. I'm looking at here. Um, it, uh, this is from the Smithsonian website. So if it's from the Smithsonian, it must be true. Early 20th century paleontologist William, William Diller Matthews suggested a different path by which dinosaurs may might return. Um and he and it goes on to the thing is is like if if it wasn't for all these mass extinction events that had occurred in the past hundred million years, I mean, who knows who, what could have evolved into not like I said, not not Homo sapiens, but bipeds with the large craniums and the eyes up in front and and um, appendages similar to ours. That might be. But the thing is, like, and it, sort of like what John had said earlier, talking about Christianity and talking about, like, like what, do, what does the Bible say and what do all these other religions say about this? And sort of, like, um, excludes that as a possibility. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, if there, if there is a God, then, then none of this would have been possible. And I'm kind of, like, wondering, it's like, by... What, what do other Christians think about these theories of what could have happened if there weren't a, these other mass extinction events? Well, <clears throat> I don't know. Um, because most other Christians don't give it much thought, to be honest with you. They're, they're sure. like everybody else. They, they kind of just go about their daily lives to get to Friday, watch the Friday night football game, and you know, enjoy the weekend out on the lake. And, and that's about the, the most thought they give to just about anything. Um, but you know what? I, while, we, while we were talking here, I, I just did a quick uh, look up on 
some of the stories of the Anunnaki. And what's really interesting, just to throw this out there, um, is that you're right. They are mentioned in Sumerian texts and Babylonian texts, but not religious texts. They are, they are mentioned in literary works, in particular the Epic of Gilgamesh in Babylonian. And they're mentioned as seven judges who rule the underworld in, in the uh, epic poem of Gilgamesh, which is interesting because if what the article I'm reading suggests is that there are no historical or archaeological uh, indicators that there was ever a cult to the Anunnaki, which means, you know, no one worshiped them as deities, which it would be, which is, you know, would be consistent if they were written about in the religious texts of the day. But <clears throat> because they only appear in literature, they don't seem to have been, um, you know, part of the actual religious uh, tradition. Just the educational part of our show. Because the thing is, is my son just walked in the door and it's like, and he says, are you talking about lizard people again? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just saying that <clears throat> there, there's no reference to the Anunnaki in the actual religious texts. They're in the literary works of Sumeria, Babylonian age, and they appear differently in those different traditions, but they're not actually part of the religious uh, texts. Yes, and I, I was just verifying that while I while we were talking about it. Yeah, um, but the thing is, like the in a lot of science fiction or stories of not science, not just science fiction, but a lot of conversations with abductees, for some reasons, like they they seem to like come back with a lot of knowledge of of uh, ancient Sumeria, ancient Sumer, and the, 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 there's chit-chat chit about the Anunnaki. And I think that that's like, and the idea of the Anunnaki sort of like was a very sort of obscure kind of concept until like the past 30 years. And I, I mean, I find it interesting that, that something so obscure from long ago is now a part of the lexicon for people who are interested in the paranormal. Well, so <clears throat> this is an interesting parallel, and it may actually – so how do I get into this gently? So start of the 20th century, we have an author, a science fiction horror author, that today in the diesel punk community we hold up as one of the uh, – the early authors of the source material of Diesel Punk, H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, yes. H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft creates Cthulhu and the Elder Gods as fictional characters. And uh, what, what is the city that Cthulhu slumbers in? I forget. Um, anyway. Um. And, and, you know, for most of the 20th century, it was considered horror science fiction. However, over the last 
30 years, there have been people who have convinced themselves that Cthulhu is not a fictional character, but an actual elder god of, of the earth. And now there are religious cults that follow Cthulhu and are working to bring about his awakening. I, you know, I'm just throwing that out there as a parallel to the, the stories of the Anunnaki. I don't... I, 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 don't, I don't know if I, I... I don't discount that. I, I, I don't, because the thing is, that it was just like, it's sort of like, and, and we're witness to this, we're party to this. What's old is new. And, and a lot of us like to go back and recycle things from, from a century ago and say, hey, this, this, we really like this. You know, what if this was real? And then somebody writes something, it's like, oh, it is real. And then people like sort of like glom on to that. Because they like the they like the idea of a Cthulhu coming out of the ocean and devastating, like Godzilla or King Kong coming out of you know some creature coming out of a faraway land or underneath the ocean and 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 laying waste to civilization as we know it and then goes back to where it ever came from and we have to start over again. And the thing is, is if for whatever reason we are obsessed with Armageddon, we love the idea, not the movie starring Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, but the concept of the world ending and starting over again. For the past 20 years, people have been obsessed with that. And I, I, and I think that attests to something about what's going on here in, in the here and now. People want to believe in a Cthulhu that's going to come out and is, go is going to straighten it, everything out or decimate everything and then go back to where it came from. I think that we're fascinated with that. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Yeah. The bomb, the Cold War, and then summarily the loss of the Cold War and people not knowing what to do with their, uh, how do I put it, the government putting into us a sense of nihilism because of the Cold War. The Cold War, in a way, died, but the nihilism thrived. And so everything is, you know, cool. I mean, I, I love a good Godzilla movie. That's awesome. But I don't want to get destroyed. I'm not sure why someone would want Cthulhu to be real and rise up out of the ocean. Uh, they would die too. Yeah. But hey, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure how you would, you know, you would really be around to celebrate that afterwards. I would think that would be the point of any belief system is you'd want to be around to celebrate, you know, but hey, that's I think we've all been trained and pretty much hypnotized on bad. And you know, we, we can call it whatever we want to call it, warfare, glory, uh capitalism versus communism, but we're all just, you know, consumerism even. Consumerism. Yeah. That's pretty much nihilism. It's you know, shop till you drop, buy till you die, you know, spend every last penny, don't think about anything else. So we may think that these things are all positive, but we're we're brainwashed on a, a coffin mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, Cthulhu makes sense. Nihilism makes sense. Everybody wants to be on the dark side. That makes sense. You know, I wake think, up every day, another another acolyte to you know doomsday. I think everybody has the impression that somehow 
like we're going to survive this, whatever this is, whatever the, the whatever horrible thing is, I'm going to be a survivor thanks to shows like like The Walking Dead. Everybody seems to think that they insist that they're going to be they're going to be a survivor after the apocalypse. And, and that's another big reference because that's another thing from like the past 20, 30 years that everyone's convinced is going to happen. Zombies are real. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. Um, it, it's a fascinating study to, to look at the zombie phenomenon and what it really represents. It, 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 they're really symbolic of, you know, other things in our society, you know, whether people are afraid of mass immigration or uh, stock market collapse or disease and plagues. That's what the zombie apocalyptic stories really represent but anyway that's another topic for another show speaking about the topics for this show john you wanted to share with us your your personal experience into the paranormal yeah so i've had a lot of experiences actually uh starting when i was a kid i've always been a, a, a sky watcher um even early on and and my first experience was uh, real late at night, driving through middle Ohio in the car with my mom driving. It must have been 1 a.m. in the morning. We see probably, I don't know, four or five miles ahead of us, maybe further. You know, I was a kid, so I don't really know how to gauge distance. But they were, they were three, what appeared to be balls of light in the sky in a triangle formation, perfect triangle. And they moved up, down, up, down in that formation. And then the final time they, they came down, and it wasn't fast, it was just kind of slow movement, just very rhythmic. But the last time they dropped and then shot across the sky in formation uh, and that uh, in and of itself was enough to make me a believer but then 20 years ago i can't believe it's been that long ago um my wife and i had just bought a house in laverne tennessee no i guess it's 18 years ago um and the the neighborhood the development sat right on the back edge of what was then an Air Force base. And the night was uh, December 12th, I forget the year, uh, mid-late 90s. And I'm coming home from a gig. And it's, again, it's about 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I get out of my car, getting ready to go up to the door, and I hear the helicopters. Now, this was an Air Force base, and it was not uncommon at all to see helicopters, in particular, Black Hawk helicopters. All the time, they would be coming out of that Air Force base like bats out of hell. Um, and so it was normal to hear them. And you, you start to play this little game, right? Yeah, where are they coming from or where are they going? And you make up all these scenarios in your head. 
So I'm, I'm hearing them, and I'm kind of looking around to see where they're at. And I pinpoint the direction of the sound, and I'm, I'm just watching. And they're not shooting across the sky like they normally would. There's a, there's a, a forest, a, a forest grove on the, across the street, the houses across the street behind them. There's the fence to the Air Force Base and uh, this big grove, this forest. And there's this one place where the tree line dipped for maybe 50 yards. The trees are still there. It's not a clearing. They're just not as high as the rest of the tree line. And I hear the helicopters coming from my right-hand side looking at the trees. And I see two of them come into that kind of clearing area, that, that drop in the tree line, in formation, very slowly, not lightning fast like normal. They're just coming very slowly. And about the time their tails are about to disappear into the rest of the tree line, I notice this silver, just the top, of a silver dome glowing kind of an orangish, white orangish glow moving through that tree line dip. I could just see the top of it. And it eventually disappears and two more Black Hawk, Black Hawk helicopters behind it come through that clearing. Going to the Air Force Base, not away from, to, they were escorting something that was flying, that was very large. I would say it probably had to be, because that, that clearing was about 50 yards. So this object, I just saw the top of the dome, um, had to be probably at least twice that long. 100, maybe 150 yards in, in diameter. Huge, huge object being escorted by four Black Hawk helicopters into this Air Force base. Now, here's what's really wild about that. I, I talked about this on Art Bell's show. And apparently, um, other people around the country have had similar sightings. They've seen a very similar object. Um, and they've seen objects like that being escorted. Now, what's odd about that is nobody else in the area reported it. That doesn't mean nobody else in that area saw it, but nobody else in that area reported it, which isn't necessarily unusual because it was one o'clock in the morning in the middle of December. I mean, it was well digger butt cold. But, um, yeah, that, I mean, that, that was the last main sighting that I saw. Now, here's what's really interesting about this, Eric. Never saw any men in black, like a lot of people report. But after that sighting, after I appeared on Art Bell, every piece of... Uh, machine transportation we owned cars trucks lawnmowers 
every piece of machinery started breaking down and stopped working. Every time we would get a car fixed, the next one would be another $1,500. And it was continually like that for uh, the four or five years that we lived there after that, after I appeared on Art Bell. It was after you appeared on Art Bell. Yes. You know, and the thing is, is that for me, I should say, oh, no, that's not, that's not possible. That's, that, can, that can't happen. But you're not the first person to say that. You're not the first person to share that story. That, that has happened time and time again where people have come out and they have said, like, like I, this, is, this is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced. And, and I keep hearing this story over and over and over again. And the thing is, is that when Art Bell had quit for a while and he left Las Vegas and he moved to the Philippines and he picked up the show again, a lot of those weird stories ebbed. And then they started to pick up again. And there were a lot of people who have these strange experiences where um, as soon as they they share their experience with somebody. So once they actually vocalize what they happened, they put it out in the air. Weird things do start to happen to them. And, and to me, this points to a greater conspiracy. But the thing I want to know is, is that how do they know that you are on Art Bell? Unless, of course, they, the NSA is constantly tracking people's phone conversations. Not so much just your whole phone number, but as soon as you dial into Art Bell's 1-800 number, like they know, they know. I remember, and there was this kooky guy who had come on, and he had said that he had worked at Area Fifty One, and he made the phone call from uh, from a payphone, and he was saying that they're going to come in. I can't not talk about this anymore. I know that they're going to come in, and he was like paranoid. You could tell that he was terrified. And then just towards the end of the call, according to Art Bell, obviously it sounded like somebody tackled him, and then their satellite went off. They, the satellite for Art Bell's Coast to Coast was what well, was offline for I don't know maybe three minutes, and they cut to com- you know the network cut to commercial, and then when he came back he was he was um, doing a show off the T1 line not over not over the satellite, it, um, and it was it was one of the creepiest things. I mean I remember driving because I used to work late at night and I used to drive, and when I heard the show as it happened. It's like one of those things where it's like, I don't think you could fake that. And if you could, if you would fake that, people would know that you just know that there's a ring of, of truth to it. It just sounds true because it's, I don't, I don't think you could make that up. I'm not saying you're not a smart guy and you're not a creative guy. I don't think that you, I don't, I don't, I, you know, from what I know of you, I don't think that you could make up a story like that and pass that off as, as being true. Well, I actually can. Well, you probably could. The, the, other, the, the, the other story William with could. my experience with Art Bell was several years later. Um, a magician friend, a mentalist friend of mine and I hoaxed the national media with a uh, time travel demonstration. And uh, we ended up on Art Bell. We ended up getting a visit from the NSA. Um and had to prove to them that it was a hoax. <laughs> That's another story for another time. Huh. Now, why would they show up for that? 
for something on time travel. The NSA will show up for the dumbest reasons you could possibly imagine. Back in, de in December of 2010, I wrote a piece critical of the TSA and their full-body x-ray nude machines, as it, as it were. And I got a visit from the NSA. I've heard of a lot of other bloggers getting visits from the NSA for but, making... But for that, you're, you've made a criticism about something in the government. Yes. I can... Well, I, I don't like them showing up at your door to question you because you're supposed to have the right to do that. But he's doing... John's an act about time travel... Why would they want to show up and then make him have to show it's fake? As if, in other words, what you're saying is, so you're saying there's a real time travel somewhere? So here, here was the deal. We, we created this very elaborate hoax um, about real time travel in a real psychic time traveler. And we, we used enough sensitive information in our fake declassified press releases. We, we, we released declassified um, documents that we, we conjured. We created them, but we made them look awfully real. And we leaked them to the press. And then we had a public demonstration by this psychic who was apparently part of a government Time psychic time travel experiment. Probably Majestic 12. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I didn't know anything about Majestic 12 at the time. Um, the, the we, we actually created the organization that we leaked <laughs> documents for. It was called NISA, um, NISA. And we, we rented an office space in um, Arlington, Virginia, uh, close by the Pentagon, we hired a receptionist to man a phone line in Arlington, Virginia, and answer NISA. Um, we went to elaborate lengths for this hoax. And um, the, the media bought it hook, line, and sinker. And um, we got a lot of newspaper press. Um, Art Bell had us on and covered it. And then... Um, and then we, we did the demonstration, the public demonstration of psychic time travel. We we hired a uh, we hired we we had a doctor um, attend the show, and you know we used random control subjects from the audience. And this doctor did a pre and post experience um, physical of our subjects and gave a full medical report um i mean it it was very elaborate guys and it was it was a trick it was a magic trick but we sold a lot of tickets and we got a lot of attention and we got the attention of the nsa and um you know they they thought that we were doing something that we weren't really doing Uh, That's still just. I mean, having seen having seen a lot of your magic tricks online, I know how good you are. So I can I can just imagine how well you set that up. It's still just odd that they would show up, unless it it, it it's it's just like a case of like. It's unless not just it's what true. they're saying. 
Right. It's not just what they're saying. It's what are you? It's what is implied by what they're not saying. Well, you have to prove to us time travel isn't real. Why would I have to prove that to you unless you're telling me it is? And you know something. And you think I have a, a piece of it. So, which means you think there's a leak or whatever you want to call it. That's just so, so odd. And that this goes back to everything about government hiding things. Yeah, that's, wow. I, I, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm in awe of the fact that you could actually do something like this and get the attention of the federal government. Um, because my, my dad, for, and I know, I, 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 and I tell you, I promise you I'm going to get into trouble for saying this. My dad made some claims about what he did when he was in the military and when he was a part of this agency and that agency. And there's something, there's something about what he did that caused great paranoia. And for whatever reason, he'd have to pick up and he would have to just leave and just go to the other side of the country for a period of time. And once whoever caught up with him, he'd have to leave again. And he always had this box of documents with him, or so he claimed. And it was... and. The only thing that adds to this is there were strange people who came to visit my house or just parked at the end of the driveway with those with those um, Ford Crown Victoria cars and stuff like that. And there were those weird government cars that would show up at my places of work and stuff like that, or they'd be parked when I was already in there. And I had no idea what was going on. And to this day, I'm not sure, did it have anything to do with my dad? And because, like, I worked in telecom, did that somehow they think that I was up to something that was no good that my dad had done? And it was like, um, one of two things are true, or they're both true. The government takes everything really super seriously, thanks to organizations within the government like Majestic 12 and MKUltra. They take that stuff very seriously. Or they have way too much time on their hands, and they just burn time, energy, and fuel and, and, and people's salaries doing research into this because, I mean, nobody, who knows it's like what I'm doing here, who knows it's like, how could you tell that the Fedora Chronicles is not a front for something else? How would you know? And you have these, these people who have nothing better to do. This is, oh, let's check out the Fedora Chronicles for a while. Let's see what this guy is up to. And let's go over here and check out what, what this guy is doing over here. Um, or they're both true. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. So they have to cover everything. And, we, and you have these large discretionary budgets. And my beautiful wife is like looking at me awed because I'm, I'm, I'm talking about my dad again. And, and, and I wonder, the thing is, is that they have all these black ops projects. And they have, like, for example, um, during Hillary Clinton's tenure um, as a secretary of state, um, the Pentagon lost six or seven billion dollars that's million with a b where did the money go and then you think to yourself black ops project i would be upset and disappointed if they weren't working on a triangle shaped flying craft or something like that with the money that 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 up and disappears i I, it 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 sort of it sort of makes sense that all the pieces fit together Somehow, with all of these clandestine things going on, they threaten people that it's like, if you don't shut your mouth, 
if, if, if you ever tell anybody about what you saw crash in the desert, we'll kill you and your family and your grandparents and your pony too. And then you have these other, you have these agencies that, have you seen, you've at least heard of the movie, Men Who Stare at Goats. You've seen that. And it turns out that it's more of a documentary than just a, com- a, a dramedy starring George what, Clooney. What a great movie, by the way. Yeah. It yeah. really is. And it's like, you, you, you know that they're up to something. And as time progresses, more people like us are talking about it. But I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting the stink eye from, from the bride here. So I, I think it's, it's, it's time for our final thoughts. Um, John, since William went first in opening the show, why, why don't you share with us your closing thoughts on what we talked about tonight? Well, closing thoughts. Is there something out there? I think definitely. Um, is there a conspiracy by certain people to bring the truth forward and others to conceal it? Yes. Will we ever have full disclosure in my lifetime? I doubt it. That's all I got. William, what do you got for us for final thoughts? Um, Thinking about what Philip Corso said, that uh, aside from what people tend to think about the government being one entity that kind of all just agrees on things, actually government and military are made up of these different branches that actually fight with each other for control and power. So I think it's somewhere between the line of what you said of they take everything seriously or... They don't really know what they're doing. It depends on the agency. But the level of conspiracy and cover-up is is in the multitudes. And they hold the cards. We're just now trying to get at least one or two, glean a piece of information, and find out what's going on. And I, I would like very much if more people would do that. More people would pay attention and ask questions. Hey, I did think of one last thing, and this this didn't really occur to me until just now, Eric. Okay. Talking about your dad, we've had conversations about my dad. And um, my dad was, uh, my parents were friends with the Reagans. And, um, you know, Ronald Reagan was very uh, adamant about disclosure. Yes. He... He tried to get a lot of this stuff uh, made public, uh, and uh, maybe that relationships my parents had with the Reagans is what put me on the radar with the NSA to begin with. Oh, I have no doubt. I, I have no doubt. Those of us who have parents who are a part of clandestine uh, organizations, I think that, you know, and that's a story that I should share with you at, at another time. Um, and I think, I think that the three of us should get together and, and talk about the metaphysical again in the near future. My final thought is a question, and this is how I'm going to end the show. Why is it that all the smartest people that I know all believe in the possibility in the paranormal? The smartest people I know, every all the smartest people that I know believe that there is something out there bigger than us, bigger than ourselves. And they, they're, they're not people who are like diehards, you have to believe in what I believe in the paranormal, blah, 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 or else. 
but they are open to the idea of UFOs, um, cryptozoology, um, government agencies hiding secrets and slowly drizzling out information. All the smartest people that I know believe that they're in the possibility of, of, of the paranormal being true, being something real, something to consider. So with that said, I'm, that's the question that I'm going to pose on the Metaphysical Connection um, uh, Facebook page. Um, why is it that all the smartest people are, are just so cool in the, in the, uh, in the realm of the paranormal? Uh, guys, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on in such short notice. Um, and I think, I think we really got to do this again real soon. Agreed. Anytime, my brother. All right. Good night, guys. And thanks for a great show. Uh, no problem. Have a good night. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at physics laxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them. Yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. So for Walt, Jim, and Eric, this is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on.